This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. There's nothing worse than being predictable. And so it's always interesting to kind of things turn, on, turn things on their head a little bit every now and again. And so uh, what I want to do is I actually want to start off this morning. I'm going to play you a short video. So I want you to watch this. speak to you this morning about something that I've titled, Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb. The, the holiest of days in the Christian calendar is Easter. It's the fulfillment of a story that really started a long time before then. And to really appreciate the fullness of what happened at Easter, it's important that we take a step back to the introduction of the story. If we get back to the garden and we get back to what happened, we begin to understand some things. Man in that instant, in that moment, had an opportunity to, to make a decision about how they wanted to live life. And man made a bad decision. And because of man's bad decision, what ended up happening is something consequential came into existence, came into being. Man had lived in a place where he lived in relationship with God, the two of them relating to one another. He, that was the world that he knew. That was the world that he understood. It was God in communion with him. And in that moment when man decided to take the fruit and eat of the fruit, what ended up happening was something was introduced into life that was totally foreign to them. What's important to know is this, every time you face temptation, temptation is more about what you believe than your behavior. Temptation, your behavior is the, your behavior is the fruit of what you believe. But temptation is intended to get to your belief and to get you to a place where it can take you outside of what God believes and get you established in something new. Temptation isn't about behavior, it's about what you believe. So what we believe becomes consequential and important. In that moment in what was happening in the garden, the temptation that was laid before man was to sit and say, do you want to believe something outside of the context of everything that you've known up until this point? And in that moment, both Adam and Eve decided to go ahead and do it. What happened in that moment was sin came into the world. They had no concept of sin. They had no, no grid for what that was. And all of a sudden, something came into existence. And even though they couldn't define it, what ended up happening is it put them at a place where all of a sudden, their understanding of life and God and who they were and the reality that they were living totally shifted. It says their eyes were opened. What it means is their understanding changed. Everything that they understood about who they were, how they were to live, what their purpose was in life, what their destiny was to be, was defined because of their relationship with God, living in that space. And all of a sudden, all of that stuff was turned on its head and they started to see things from a different perspective. And they didn't understand things anymore because the eyes of their understanding had been opened. They found themselves at a place where all of a sudden, God, who was always there, who was ever present, who was always relating to and in communion with them, was suddenly absent. And they couldn't understand the paradigm. They were trying to make sense of it. The challenge with it was what ended up happening is as they moved into that space, they couldn't go back. It's like jumping off a cliff. Once you go, you're gone. There you, was no going back. 
Something came into their very being that began to give definition to who they were and it was so consequential, it was so innate, it was so systemic, it became existential to who they were. It wasn't just that they did something, it was about who they became. Something foreign, something came in and gave definition to who they were that had never been in that space before and it contaminated them. It was toxic. And God is like, ooh, I, 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 you, you're going to separate yourself from me because of what you've done. Come on now. And they found themselves in an interesting place. And all of a sudden, their reality and their paradigm to life was so different to anything they had ever known. And they started going through life and having to rediscover and relearn. The first people to be born again were Adam and Eve. But they were born again from life to death. From light to darkness. And their life took on a whole new complexion. It was a complexion that began to define humanity from that point forward. Their nature had taken on a character that was outside of God. And the problem with it was they couldn't remove the stain. I used to have a t-shirt, and I love this t-shirt. And one day, this t-shirt ended up getting in the wash, and it got in with, you know, they give you those little pods nowadays, and they have about 14 colors, and so you're not sure what every color is. But one of the colors was bleach. And so when my shirt came out, the problem with it was it was bleached all over the front. The problem with a bleached shirt is you can't fix it. You can't change it. You can't iron it out. You can't mend it. You can't sew it. You can't redo it. It's ruined. The only thing that you can do with the bleached t-shirt is throw it out and replace it. There is no remedy. Man found themselves at a place where there was no remedy. They were in a situation where they were wearing the bleach t-shirt and there was nothing they could do about it. Romans 6 verse 23 says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. What it's saying is this. If you get your t-shirt bleached, there's no remedy. I can't fix it. I can't change it. The only solution is death and newness of life. Death came in because it was the only solution. It was the consequence of what they had done. It was the only way to remedy where they had been. It was the paradigm that was established. And it was what man lived by for generations. Until one day, there was a man who was baptizing people. And in this paradigm of sin, and in the paradigm of the inability to be able to remedy my situation, he had a look and he saw a man and he said to everybody around him, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew what was coming. He knew that Jesus was coming to pay the price once and for all so that man could get rid of the t-shirt and could get something new. We couldn't do it on our, by ourselves. We needed somebody to pay the price for it. And Jesus said, I'll do that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for you to pay the price so that you could get a new t-shirt. So you could be made new. So that you could step back into what we had lost. And we could move back into relationship with God. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. What a wonderful point of reference. It's a great metaphor for what happens with us in relation to God. It's a great metaphor for what happens when Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus was resurrected because it speaks to us about newness of life. It speaks to us about death and newness of life coming in. Both of those things are consequential and both of those things are important because it's going to take place in our life. That's what he's wanting to do with us. 
Metamorphosis is not just a simple fluctuation of something. It is a vital shift and a move and a change that results in newness of life. It's not that it was a caterpillar one day and it suddenly started sprouting hairs and got a few freckles on it and some extra wrinkles and a couple of extra legs. It wasn't that. It was something far more consequential. The, uh, the, the form of what it was gave way to something brand new. What God is going to do in our lives is so consequential that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to fulfill it. And when you get to that point, you're going to look back on yourself and be like, I don't recognize where I used to be. I may have been a worm, but I don't remember those days. I may have been a caterpillar, but I don't remember those days. I may have been crawling on the dust and in the dirt, but I don't remember those days because he did something for me that gave me flight. I'm moving into something new. The invitation that he extends to us is this. Everything that you've known has been established by the paradigm of who you used to be. Every understanding that you have came because you were a caterpillar. But you have to understand something. I'm not only going to change your form, but I'm going to introduce you to new understanding. Both of them have to work together. Both of them are important. The thing about metamorphosis is it's taking something which is alive on the inside and allowing that to express itself on the outside. As spiritual beings, everything God is going to do in your life is going to come through your spirit, man. You're going to connect with God in that space and he's going to speak to you in that space and he's going to introduce you to revelation and understanding in that space. And the invitation that he extends to us is this. Let me take and introduce myself to you. And every time I introduce myself to you, I'm looking for you to take that, make it a part of your life so that you can step that out and walk that out in your life. He's introducing us to who we are. He's introducing us to destiny. He's doing something which is consequential. Now, this is what is so amazing about it, but it's important that you catch this because then you'll understand that God's work with us is going to be a twofold job. There are two sides to the coin. When that caterpillar morphed from what it was into the butterfly, the creature never died. The creature didn't cease to exist and a brand new creature was born. The creature gave, died to one sense of form, but was born and resurrected in a different form. But it was the same creature. When you understand that, we'll begin to appreciate why God wants to do two things in us. The moment you get born again, you instantly become the butterfly. The moment that you get born again, all of a sudden God's life comes in, changes you, brings his nature, wipes away the old, introduces the new. You've just become the butterfly. Amen. The challenge with it is this. My form has changed. But the creature remembers who I used to be. And so the creature is sitting as a butterfly, but is still thinking as a caterpillar. That's why the very first thing that God does when he gives you new form is he says, I'm introducing you to renewing of the mind. What he's saying is you can't just take on new form, but live as a caterpillar. I have to introduce you to a new degree of understanding. You have to see life from a different perspective. You don't understand that you can fly. You're busy wanting to eat the leaves and he's like, get into the clouds. But I didn't know I could do it because I didn't understand my potential. I didn't understand my capacity. The creature stayed the same and was introduced to new form. The minute that you were born again, you were introduced to the life of God. The very life of God came and dwelt on the inside of you. You became the butterfly. And the moment that you became the butterfly, the Holy Spirit got to work and he said, now you know what I'm gonna do. My job is to introduce you to who you really are called to be. My job is to introduce you to the fullness of what it's all about. My job is to take you and get you to the place so that your understanding and your perspective of who you are is, I'm no longer a worm of the dust. Yeah. 
but now I'm a butterfly that soars up above. My perspective of God begins to change and I recognize and see and understand him not as somebody who's distant and far away, but somebody who's integral and an intimate part of who I am. Changed my being and made me brand new, introducing me every single day to who I am as I discover him. Introducing me to an understanding and a perspective of life that I've never known before. I spent my life as a victim. I spent my life under everybody else's foot. But I'm not doing that anymore. Now I have opportunity to fly. I have opportunity to soar. I can rise above those things. Not because of what I did, but because he gave me new form. He's showing me what I can do. I'm making new discoveries every day. And my Christianity has become exciting and vital and an important part to who I am because it opens me up to possibilities I never had before. Opening me up to possibilities I never had. I'm going to move a little bit quickly because I want to do communion today. But if you look at John chapter 3, Verses six and seven, it says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You know what he's saying? You were born as a natural man. You were born with flesh and blood, but you had no concept of who I was. But just wait, because the minute you get born again, what ends up happening is it's not just about a flesh dynamic. It's not just about the caterpillar who used to be. Now I'm introducing you to the butterfly. What spirit is spirit. All of a sudden, new life comes and is birthed on the inside of me. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in who I am. And his job is to sit and say, you know what? I'm going to introduce you to the fullness of what it is to have wings. He's doing something on the inside of us. God is introducing us to the dichotomy and the reality that you may be a physical being, but understand you now have been introduced to the life of God on the inside of you. Things that are on the inside can be introduced to the outside through metamorphosis. It's through that center that he speaks and comes and communes and introduces and invites us to step into something new, something bigger, something different, something more expansive in who he is. Romans chapter 8, verse 7 says, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Do you know what it's saying? It's telling us this, be aware of the fact you've become a butterfly, but don't go back to a mindset that's rooted in being the caterpillar. What it's saying is your flesh was not born again. What it's saying is the spirit is alive on the inside of you. That's where God is. He's saying, be careful because anytime you go back to the way you used to live, any way time you go back to allowing your flesh to inform your understanding, you're still living as a caterpillar. What he's saying is stop it. Recognize it. Identify the fact that I put inside of you my very life and the vitality and the fullness of that. And I'm looking for you to develop relationship with that so that I can begin to move into spaces and redefine your understanding of everything in its entirety. I don't want you to see yourself as the caterpillar anymore. But the only way that you can do that is by taking your mind and allowing me to change it. So he's doing something that's wonderful on the inside of us. When you talk about sin and understanding sin, that's an interesting paradigm. You see, the thing with it is this. Too many people become butterflies and yet they're still struggling with sin. And so I want to explore that dynamic a little bit today. And the reason that becomes consequential is because in the grand scheme of everything, you have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of sin, kingdom of righteousness. Those things come into play with regularity. So when we're informed about how to handle them, it changes things. Sin is when we prioritize anything over God. 
sin is when we prioritize anything over God. Now, I want to give you a more practical example of what that is, or a definition of what that is, because I want to get into something. But if you have a look at Romans chapter 1, verses 22 to 23, it gives us probably the most foundational meaning as to what sin is. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. This is what it's saying. They exchanged their life and their understanding of life being defined by God for something else that was a substitute. Where they, instead of allowing God to come into that space and give definition to their understanding and who they were, what they did is they moved to a place where they allowed a substitute to come into that space and do that. This is what I would say to you, the personal definition of sin. Sin is any feeling or thought or behavior that we have that is rooted in a belief that doesn't treasure Christ above all else. Sin is any feeling, thought, or behavior we have that comes from a belief that doesn't treasure Christ above all else. Part of our responsibility as we move into becoming all that God wants us to be is to read what's happening in my life. There are, are things that he gives us that are opportunities for us to discover more about ourselves. Sometimes when we enter into things, we know we shouldn't be doing certain things, but the problem with it is we look at that stuff and it becomes an issue rather than understanding it's an indicator. Sometimes the things that are happening in our life are more indicators as to a deeper issue as opposed to the actual behavior itself. And so it's important for us that we develop wisdom and understanding to be able to appreciate and value that. Read into it and learn from it. Um, hmm. Where do I want to go with this? What's the mark of a Christian is not that we never sin, but it's that a root of our life is that we treasure Christ above all. We treasure Christ above all. What's important about that is we're moving to a place where we're sitting saying, you know what? I understand that God is doing something inside of me. He's moved me to a place where he's introduced me and made me the butterfly. But now he's at a place where he's shifting my understanding about different things. And as he's shifting that understanding, what he's doing is he's revealing to me with regularity what are the foundations of my thinking. He's talking about your beliefs. What he's saying is, what I want to do is I want to reveal to you what your beliefs are. Because if I can change your beliefs, what I can do is I can influence your mind. Amen. Not your brain. Your mind, I should say. <laughs> your mind. It's your spirit. He's changing that so that our, um, this is practically how our mindset begins to shift and begin to change according to our beliefs. It doesn't just happen automatically. It's when we value him, when we esteem him, when the Christian life sits and says, you know what? I treasure him above all else. Every time I see something happening in my life that's outside of his order or outside of what we believe that he would be happy with, it's an invitation for me to begin to explore that and say, why did I do it? Why did I do it? So God begins to walk, work with us. And as he begins to work, he gets so excited. that, But he wants us to know what he's doing. So in case we kind of miss it, what he does is he puts some stuff in the Bible and says, okay, listen, let me just like make you aware of what's going on here. So if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read 17 and 18 and 22 and 24. And it says, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. 
what he's saying is he's talking about people who basically have never become butterflies. What he's saying is people who are like that are still living as caterpillars because that's their frame of reference. They don't have an option because they don't have the life of God on the inside of them. And so everything that defines them is the flesh. Everything that defines them is where they go, what's going on and what comes in through that, that avenue. It gives definition to who they are. The thing is, that's what always used to give definition to who we were as caterpillars. Now that you've moved to a place that you've become a butterfly, he's sitting saying, understand that the source of your life has to shift. If you continue living from your frame of reference being a caterpillar, you'll always live like that, even though you're in a different form. I'm not changing because I'm still thinking and understanding the way that things used to be. Put off the, um, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true, in true righteousness and holiness. The invitation is there. What he's saying is, I need for you to partner with me. Something's going to happen instantaneously. You're going to become the butterfly. But now I want to work with you. And so as we begin to go through this process of working through things, the invitation is going to be that you stay close to me because some stuff is going to pop out of your life. And you're going to go, ooh, what is that? where did that come from? Some stuff is going to happen and you probably won't even recognize it because it's so habitual. I wasn't even aware of the fact. But all of a sudden, what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to open the eyes of your understanding and you're going to go, that probably is not very pleasing to him. But why do I do that? Why do I do it? What he wants us to know is this. Stay away from the flesh. This is really simple. You are empowered to make decisions. You can choose. You can choose. You've never fallen into sin and we're like, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> you thought about it before you got there. You considered it. You weighed it up. You engaged it. You threw it on the imagination of your heart. You considered you, all of this stuff before you finally said, that's what I choose. Yep. Nobody woke up in bed with someone and said, wow, how did this happen? Romans chapter 7, verses 22 to 23. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Glory be! I've become a butterfly. All of a sudden, the life of God has come in its residence on the inside of me. And it gives me options and <coughs> potential. And I'm a different form. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. What it's saying is this, the life of God is on the inside of you, but your members were never born again. And your members are where sin is going to tempt you, and you're going to have to make a decision about what you want to do. But you're going to find yourself at war with yourself sometimes. There are times when you move into a space where all of a sudden you have to make a decision which way you want to go. How do you want to live? The butterfly? Or you want to go back to being the caterpillar? God doesn't do everything in our life. The most wonderful thing that he gave us is the opportunity to choose. The biggest weapon we have is choice. The biggest challenge we have is choice. There is always accountability and responsibility that goes with choice. Nothing in your life happens by chance. You, you, you chose, I shouldn't say nothing. Most things in your life are as a result of choice. Choices we make and where we put ourselves. So we find ourselves in a very interesting place because here we are, a brand new creation in Christ. I have wings. I can fly. I have potential. I have the opportunity to step into a brand new life. The challenge with it is my disposition and my understanding of who I am has been compromised because it's been informed from who I was. So he's busy doing something on the inside of me. 
and he's busy bringing me to a place of maturity and he's busy bringing my understanding of who I am to the same place as where the caterpillar, uh, where the butterfly is. Just checking to make sure you're listening. <laughs> and along that journey, some stuff is going to happen. Along that journey, we're going to encounter things, something that's been prevalent and pervasive in our lives from the day that we were born. It's called sin. Now, uh, just stick with me here because it's... Uh, just stick with me, okay? Go on the journey before you decide, okay? Here's the revelation. Sin is not your problem. Sin is not your problem. If you think sin is your problem, the challenge with it is we have a theological challenge with us. Because have a look at this. Romans chapter 8, verse 2, speaking about the power of sin being broken. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Either it did or it didn't. Either it set you free from sin or it hasn't. Which one is it? You can't have both. Second Corinthians 5.21, speaking about how we became the righteousness of God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Do you know what he's saying? The work that Christ did was complete and full. He paid the price for sin once and for all. Sin is not your problem. But you don't understand, Pastor. You should hear some of the words that come out of my mouth. <laughs> you don't understand, Pastor. I was just going past that bar the other day, and temptation came out and grabbed a hold of me. The consequences were scary. Sin is not your problem. Sin is not your problem. In... Um, Let's see, what is it? Romans 8 verse 37. It says, you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Do you know why he says you more than conquerors? Because Christ took care of sin once and for all. To be a conqueror is to be more than more. You're more than more. You're a conqueror. It speaks about you being victorious. Being victorious is not something that we're pursuing. It's a state of being. You are either victorious or you're not. You're either victorious or you're in the fight. You can't be victorious and in the fight at the same time. You're victorious. What Jesus is saying is, I conquered sin once and for all. It's been taken care of. Sin is not your challenge. I'm introducing you to what it is to live victoriously, to live as a conqueror. He's taking us back to our original design. You're to reign and rule. And it starts off with you. As the butterfly, I'm taking authority. As the butterfly, I'm discovering my place as being victorious. As the butterfly, I'm learning what it is to be more than a conqueror. As a butterfly, I'm beginning to understand and see some things from a different perspective. And I'm making some choices because of that, because I'm empowered. Not because of what I did, but because of what Christ did for me. I'm recognizing that when I become a caterpillar, it puts me in a place of authority. And all of a sudden, I'm not at the whim of, of, of sin anymore. Sin is not my issue. I'm not in a battle with sin. He did it. You're victorious. You're more than a conqueror. What he's saying is live from a different place. What is he doing? Renewing your mind. I want you to see something. You were born as a king and as a priest. And the thing about it is you may be wearing your crown, but you're learning what it is to be a king. You're learning what it is to live from the throne. You're learning what it is to rule from a different place. You're learning what it is to be a butterfly instead of caterpillar. 
things are changing in my life. And part of that change is recognizing who you are in the fundamentals. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not the person who's influenced by my flesh anymore. I'm moving to a place where I'm relating to God. My eyes are on him. I'm in relationship with him and allowing him to inform my life. And everything that he gives me begins to move and change and shift who I am. I'm beginning to realize and have a fuller appreciation of what it is to be the butterfly. I'm understanding what it is to be more than a conqueror. I'm realizing that I'm not in a fight, but I'm in victor- that I am victorious. And as a result of that, there's some changes that are happening. So then what is this whole sin deal? Because it still seems to be around. Well, what I would suggest is this. What if sin isn't the problem, but maybe a symptom of something else? Sin's not your problem. It's a symptom of something else. Beliefs play a big issue in the sin problem. The challenge with it is this. Sometimes we view sin as the solution and not the problem. Let me give you an idea of what I mean. I don't like who I am. I have a belief that's established on the inside of me that I'm not a very nice person. I feel a sense of guilt. I've done some things, been some places. My history is not really nice. I struggle to live with who I am and reconcile that. And as a result of that, I'm looking for something to remedy me. I'm looking for something to fix the belief and make me feel better. And so I take drugs. Drugs and the behavior are not the problem. It's the solution that I've adopted. It's just the wrong one. Sin is not your problem. You're just making a wrong choice. You're adopting something outside of God to remedy a deeper issue, which is my belief. Your belief is what's most important. You don't have to choose drugs. That's the offer that God extends to us. The problem with it is we're so focused on our behavior, we're always wanting to fix the behaviors. So we're going to remedy it and we're going to send you to drug rehab and we're going to get, and good for drug rehab. And it's a really, I'm not taking away from that. The point that I'm making is it's not going to fix your belief. You get them off drugs and six months later they're into alcohol. Why? Because I'm trying to find something to fix the belief that's out of place. I'm trying to fix something that's deep on the inside of me that's so much more fundamental. I'm just adopting the wrong solutions. Your beliefs are important. Your beliefs are fundamental. It's about renewing your mind. He's changing some stuff. What he's saying is, sin's not your problem. You're victorious over sin. Remember what we're trying to do here. You've become the butterfly. That's the form. But we're renewing your mind. So every time I see something that's outside of that, every time I see something that I've adopted, uh, a solution that is outside of God, the Holy Spirit is saying, let's look deeper. Let's begin to explore something that actually is the source of why you're looking for a remedy. He's taking us and focusing us back on our beliefs. Romans chapter 7 verse 22, if I can find it. No, that's not what I want. I lied. Um, Romans 8 verse 2. No, don't go there either. Just checking. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. This is the real one. <laughs> Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Do you know what he's saying? He's getting back down to what he's trying to do. 
What he's talking about is renewing your mind. What he's saying is, the challenge with it is, you can't have a belief system that's established from where you were. And the way that you change your belief system is through relationship with God. Because every time he gives you something of his, it is, it is his revelation. When I grab hold of it, it is my faith. So my age-old example, I'm going to use this because every time you think about faith, you're going to think about Vivian. This is what faith is. Revelation and faith work together. Vivian's sitting there and it's like, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to get home and I'm not sure what's going to go. And maybe I need to sort something out and I'm feeling a lot of anxiety and I'm feeling a lot of stress. I'm a little bit fearful because I don't know if anybody's going to be here to pick me up today. Will somebody arrive after I'm finished sports? I don't know. Dad calls her and says, Vivian, I'm coming to pick you up at 3.30. What's just happened? She's got revelation. I took a part of who I was, and because she knows me and because she trusts me, I said to her, I'm, going, I'm coming to, f- to collect you. I gave her revelation, an understanding of who I was and my commitment to her. When she grabs a hold of my commitment and takes possession of it, it becomes her faith. I can't just sit and say, dad's going to come and collect me. I know you don't know. Dad may be good. Dad may have wheels, but it doesn't mean that dad's coming to collect you. You've got to hear from dad. I'm coming to pick you up. Faith comes by the word of God. When you communicate, when God speaks to you, what he's saying is, I'm making a commitment on my behalf to you. When you grab a hold of that and you take possession of that, what ends up happening is it begins to inform your beliefs. He's changing me. He's giving me parts of who he is. And every time he makes a commitment to me, he's giving me faith. It's my faith that is overcoming. It's my faith that makes me victorious. It's my faith that makes me more than a conqueror. Where did I get my faith? From him. Why can I step into it with belief and confidence? Because it comes from God. You're going to tell people you got a word from God. Not from the politician or the news people. I got it from God. That's a big one. You get it from God and it comes with confidence. It, 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 it informs your confidence. When it locks to your belief and begins to inform my belief, all things are possible to him that believes. What he's saying is, I'm so happy we managed to meet in that place. I'm so happy that you, you, you vested the time and the energy into building relationship with me. Let me give you an impartation. Let me give you a part of something. I want to inform who you are and what you're all about. And when you grab a hold of that and you take possession of that, you move into a realm of, I'm discovering more and more what it is to live as a butterfly. I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I could reach that altitude. I didn't know that I could fly that fast. Things are changing. Why? Because he's shown me what it is to live in a new realm. He's taken a belief of mine and changed it. Where I used to be fearful and anxious about something, all of a sudden it's changed and now it takes on the nature of who he is. I live in the confidence and the peace. Dad's coming to get me. That's how God works in our life. God is wanting to be an intimate part of every part and every aspect of who we are. He's wanting to move us to a place where he sits and says, you know what? I have so much for you. Come into a relationship with me and discover. The most important thing you can ever do is become the butterfly. You need to be born again. You need to get to that place where it's like, you know what? I want for you to move into my life and allow the Holy Spirit to make you new. And when he makes you new, he's going to invite you on a journey of relationship, a journey of introducing you to the fullness of who you were designed to be. The most important thing that we have in our redefinition are our beliefs. The reason God instructs us to guard your heart is because it's... From out of that place flows our understanding of everything. I begin to understand who I am, and I get a completely different complexion, perspective, as opposed to being the caterpillar. The way that I view God and people and life begins to shift. Can we all stand, please? Um, 
what I want to do is I want to take um, partake of communion. Um, if you don't have communion, won't you? Uh, you're the elements. Just raise your hands and they'll give it to you. When we partake of communion today, I want you to keep before you as a concept. Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. When we take the bread, it's about the body. It was broken for you. The stripes that he took on his back to free you from the curse of sin that affects your body and your mind. When you eat the bread, don't you close your eyes? When you eat the bread, you just see the lamb who takes away your sickness, your pain, and your angst, and your depression. Behold the lamb who takes away your sin and your pain. When you take the cup, it was the body that died. It was the spirit that was given up. It was his death. But it wasn't just the death, it was the resurrection. Without the resurrection, the death was pointless. The wages of sin was death, but the gift was Christ. The Lamb takes away the sin of the world. As you drink this, I want you to see yourself as a new creation in him. The reason that he asks us to do this with regularity in remembrance of him is because he wants us to have a divine appreciation for the journey we're on with him. To understand the price that it cost him to get us where we are. To walk in divine revelations of his love for us, his grace expressed. My encouragement to you would be this. Every time you take the blood and you take the cup, be able to look back on the last time you did it and say, I'm not the same person I used to be. I've grown. He's bigger in me than he used to be. He's bigger in me than he was last month. 
discovered something new. I'm playing in new places. When you drink this, it's a celebration of righteousness. You're not a sinner. You're made righteous because of him. But righteousness means something. Righteousness has expression. Righteousness has a voice. Righteousness has behaviors. Righteousness has a mindset which is different to where you used to be. This is a celebration not only of the death, but the resurrection. It's not only that it paid for my sin, but it's introducing me to newness all the time. The vitality, the reality, the life-giving power the Holy Spirit puts into us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Just before we go, won't you please bow your heads? If you're a person out there today and you've never met with Christ, but you would like to. Use today as an opportunity to do that. Don't pass up on it. It's the beginning of new things. It's the beginning of the most exciting life you will ever know. If that's you today, and you'd like to be prayed for, won't you come up to the front? I'm going to close the service. But if you want that, I'd like for you to come up at the end. There'll be people who will pray with you and introduce you to a relationship and a lifestyle that will completely change and overhaul every aspect of who you are. Father, as we celebrate today, the death and resurrection of Jesus. I want to thank you for the reality of what that means in each person's life today. Holy Spirit, we invite you into each person's life and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to move in their lives in the most dramatic way, most powerful way. Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our understanding so we begin to see from your perspective. Let us identify the little things in our life and the areas of our life that perhaps we've gone to the wrong places to find fulfillment and wholeness and completion. And I thank you that in those spaces you just invite us to come to you. pray that you just bless every person here today, every person who's watching. Let us never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen.